0: You are listening to NFL Kickoff Live, an hour-long weekly show where Jarvis Davis and Kyle Krabs join me, Tanitra Batiste, to break down this week's action and biggest storylines around the NFL. You can catch us live each week from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern on your favorite Locked On NFL YouTube page. Welcome to NFL Kickoff Live. It's the best hour of football talk every single Friday. We'll go around the NFL, talk about every team and every game, and we'll get you local insight you can't get anywhere else but right here at Locked On. I'm your host, Tanitra Batiste. Alongside me are Jarvis Davis and Kyle Krabs. And, you know, there was a Thursday night football game. At least one team showed up for most of the game. One team showed up for part of the game. (laughs) But ultimately speaking, the Rams came out on top 30 to 22 over the Saints. And it's interesting because, of course, Jarvis, you know, here locally, everyone's eyes are on it. For those who continue to talk about something Jarvis doesn't want to talk about, which is that the Falcons are still mathematically in this, believe it or not. Whether you want to talk about it or not, that's just the reality of it. And so now if you look at the standings, of course, you've got Sam Fran at the top of the heap, Cowboys, Lions, Bucks, which right now, if the playoffs are today, they'd win the division. Then you got Eagles and the Rams have moved into sixth place. Vikings are seventh, Seattle eight, Saints ninth, and the Falcons are just behind them at 10th. So with that in mind, with that said, Jarvis, what are your thoughts, first of all, on how the game played out last night, and then secondly, on how it impacts the NFC playoff hunt? You know
1: what? Just watching the game, I would just I just love how Sean they B- 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 call plays. I just... I just love the like with the motions and Puka and the cool being, in, in, uh, get him involved and, and Cooper Cup, just using your go-to guys to get motion to try to get this defense to thinking, right? Maybe they can shift or maybe they can check into something that's going to be work out in your favor post snaps. I just love how the game was called and the way Matthew Stafford was playing football. I was like, man, because to be honest with you, T, I was one of those people that were blinded by the, organization the, the Detroit Lions and how bad they were and, and kind of try to put him in that, that category as well but seeing mm. the way Matthew Stafford played last night it was just a beautiful thing to watch because you know what we've been paying attention to and what we've been seeing from an offensive standpoint and I just think that mm-hmm. it was just really cool to watch uh offensive coordinator just go to work and I just and it was it was an enjoyable game from, from that standpoint.
0: Yeah and you know Kyle when I looked at the game especially in that fourth quarter. It was kind of interesting because, like you said, Jarvis, it kind of showed that Matt Stafford is a quality quarterback. And I don't know, Kyle, it's a rough go for the Saints, but I kind of like that they at least kept their composure and tried to mount a comeback. They fell short last night, but you saw some good things out of them trying to mount that comeback because they know they're in the playoff fight of their lives, too.
2: Yeah, I I think the good thing for the Saints, if you're looking for silver linings, is this division is still very much up in the air as far as with two games for them, but three games for the other teams in that division left to play. It could break any which way. And knowing the NFC South, the most chaotic and unpredictable path is probably the one that's going to happen. But all, all things considered, I think the game last night really boils down to a talented team that has underachieved all season in New Orleans versus a... Talented in some spots, but extremely young and inexperienced in other spots. Team in the Rams that has excellent coaching. And I think coaching is the defining divide between these two football teams, where Sean McVay, Raheem Morris, you know, excellent coaching on both sides of the wall, excellent teachers, educators, and those guys getting all these young guys as this season has worked itself out. The Rams are playing their best ball now, where you look at New Orleans. And it's just been one week is the high and the next week is the low and you never know what you're going to get, even in a high leverage situation like this. And um, I I think the Rams are sitting very pretty as a result of this game uh, for their playoff outlook because they've swept the Seahawks are behind them. They now have a head to head against the Saints. Somebody's going to win the South that they may not have to worry about. And uh, they've done a really nice job here these last couple weeks, even in the loss that they took against Baltimore, where, where they're looking like a team that's going to be a tough out in, in the NFC playoffs. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest, to
1: add to what you're saying, Kyle, because when you talk about coming down the stretch, going into the playoffs it's all about quarterback play, right? For the most part, those are some of the, that's a driving force. And, and when you look at what they waste been playing the last four games, he's have had at least two touchdowns in four straight games with no picks. and, it just goes to show you as to why they've been going, they've been on this run as of late. And, and and, and it, it just really just puts it in perspective as to how, you know, how important a quarterback is in, in today's, today's NFL. And Matthew Stafford has just really just been really clicking a lot lately. And to see how they've been cooking as of late, you are just like, okay, this is one of the teams that you might need to start considering. Hey, that might be able to make some noise once they get into the playoffs.
2: And, and JD, yeah. I want to follow up off that too. Late season football is about what defense and running the ball. Kyron Williams, can yes. we talk about yes. Kyron Williams? Absolutely. You talk Absolutely. about Matthew Stafford and his offensive performances over the last four years. They played four games in December, and here's Kyron Williams's touches 24 for 112 and a touchdown, 28 for 113, 32 for 155 and a touchdown, and 22 for 104 and a touchdown. He is balling out. They, they got a gem of a player there in Kyron Williams, which is super cool because he's a little bit of an undersized back coming out of Notre Dame, ran 4-7, and everybody got scared. Tape don't lie. He could ball at Notre Dame. He's balling for Sean McVay. No question there. And, and I think it's a really cool layer that they have this multifaceted now, Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua as these wide receivers on the outside. But they can, they're they they're showing ability to run the ball, too. They're, like They're going to be tough out offensively for any team.
1: Scary yeah. balance. <laughs> yeah. What you need to watch out for. Scary balance.
0: <laughs> right, and when you look at going back to the standings right now, and you guys are talking about yes, the Rams are absolutely trending up, and we already know what the top of the NFC looks like. But sort of when you go to the bottom of the NFC, like right in that cluster that we've been talking about, we'll go to the cluster under the Rams. You've got the Vikings, you've got the Seahawks, you've got the Saints, you have the Falcons. And you have the Packers. I'd probably stop right there, although maybe Allie would like me to throw in the Giants as well with a
1: super, super outside oh, chance. No, we, do nah, <laughs> we don't need to do all that. Yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah.
0: <laughs> right, it's, such, but that. it's really the cluster bubble of teams that are six-win teams and seven-win teams, if we're being honest, for the ones who are clamoring for those last playoff spots. So when you hear that cluster of, and thinking about the criteria that you guys have just given, that it's a defense that's playing lights out, You have a rushing attack that's starting to pick up and either an efficient, if not a great guy under center. Exactly where do you see this thing wrapping up in these next couple of weeks in the NFC?
2: For me, one one thing that stands out is I know Minnesota's in this spot at seven and seven and they're on Nick Mullins at quarterback. Brian Flores is calling a heck of a defense this year for them. I know they're a little lean as far as what they actually have at corner, but those guys are playing on the island and doing pretty good when they go with their zero looks. It's a lot of fun. But they go Detroit twice in Green Bay with their final three games. They're sitting at 7-7. Seven, seven. I, I really I don't like that close for them, especially when you contrast it with, Seattle stealing the Monday night game last week against Philadelphia to get them back to 507-7 and as a part of their brutal stretch of games. I think that week 15 Monday night football game is enough for me to, team that wants to run the ball and be physical and try to get turnovers on defense, I look at Seattle as the other team that's kind of in that cluster that I probably trust the most. uh, And I think they have a softer schedule than what Minnesota does down the stretch too.
1: I'll probably have to go with the, the Rams. Like I said, I'm going st- to stay with the Rams because I'm sold. I, I like what I saw last night. Now they have the Giants coming up, you know. So we we know what's going to happen in that game. And then they close the season out against the 49ers. So that's definitely going to be a task. And that's gonna definitely going to be a, a nice test as you get ready to get ramped up for the playoffs. So I think that the Rams, like like that balance is scary. Like when you're talking about, because, you know, some of may want to be able to sling the ball around. Of course, you can do that with a guy like Matthew Stafford at the helm. So when you find a guy like, like Kyra Williams to be able to balance out this offense, anytime you get a guy like Sean McVay, a two-way go on, on first and 10, that could be really scary. So I, I think that the Rams are the team to watch. I mean, you're talking about getting into, getting into this wild uh conversation.
0: Now, Kyle, when we switch gears over to the AFC, it's kind of a little bit clearer. At least we know the teams at the top. We know it's the Ravens and the Dolphins, the Chiefs. Jaguars, Browns, Bengals, and Colts. And then when you kind of look below that line, you've got Houston with the same record as the Colts, at least. But then, like you said, you start to look at head-to-head matchups. The Bills are surging. I don't even want to talk about the Steelers, but, hey, they're still in there. Broncos are right behind them, and then we'll wrap that up uh, right there. But ultimately speaking, Kyle, where do you think this race goes? And I know we're going to talk about the big game shortly for the Ravens and 49ers, so we'll leave the top of you know the AFC right there. But those teams that are clamoring at the bottom, where do you think they land?
2: Yeah, I, I think Buffalo's the team that that with their next two games, they got the Chargers tomorrow night, and then they get the Patriots. And the Patriots already beat them once this year. I promise you, they ain't gonna let that team beat them twice. I mean, that's as bad of a loss as a team could take this season. So, and, and that was like Mac Jones's first career fourth quarter comeback came in that game too. So it was like extra salt in the wound. Uh, They have a tough game to close going to Miami to play the Dolphins. That's potentially if the Dolphins drop one of their next two games, uh, first place on the AFC East will be on the line in that game. So uh, I think Buffalo's the team with the momentum that they have. They put themselves in a position where I still trust them to make it because you think about the Colts and the Texans. They play each other week 18. Somebody's dropping to seven there. Uh, The Texans with Case Keenum got to play the Cleveland Browns defense this weekend. I don't like that matchup for them. I think the the Colts going on the road to play the Falcons is a desperate team that dropped a, a bad game last week. I think there there's a chance that they lose that game. Cincinnati still has to play Kansas City in addition to playing Pittsburgh and, and Cleveland with their other two games. So it's just like again, I look at the schedule that's left to be played. And if the better team wins out, I think Buffalo's gonna be in a position where they're at least ten and seven, if not eleven and six. Mm-hmm. If they get to eleven and six, they got a really good chance of winning the AFC East. So I think they're the team, they're the one looking on the outside right now, but they're the team that I have the most confidence in to be in the dance when it's all said and done.
0: Yeah, and that's a great point because with Miami sitting at 10-4, and that AFC East is not out of the the question for the Bills. Jarvis, your thoughts on the AFC in terms of who's kind of right there? I'll call them middling. I won't call them at the bottom, but who's middling and maybe can make their way up to get into or sneak into the playoffs?
1: I like the Browns. Um, like Joe, what Joe Flacco's been able to do now. Great. He had a uh, two three interceptions last last week and He was like, "Oh, okay, might be time for you to go back to that chair or that couch that you were sitting on before the uh the Browns gave you a call, but I think that if you look at the remaining schedule, like um like Kyle talked uh, pointed out, like you got the Texans, you got the uh Jets, and you got the Bengals. So, that's that's a pretty favorable you know, um, schedule um, to close out the season. And I think that with that defense leading the way, and as long as Joe Flacco don't throw two and three interception games out there and make a couple plays and make a few throws that he, like he did last week um, against the Chicago Bears, I feel like they'll be the t- that, that team to be able to snag a wild card spot as well.
0: Yeah, and I think it's one of those where we always talk about the good guy and the bad guy. And for the Browns, you want not bad Flacco because bad Joe Flacco was the first out, but good Joe Flacco showed up in the second half and that kind of saved things for them and those are the kinds of situations where you look at that second half and you say man Casey those types of moments might even save your season
2: yeah for sure and and for Cleveland specifically with all of the injuries not just at quarterback either but Nick Chubb went down I think they're on like their fifth offensive tackles playing for them right now they have just been relentlessly hammered with injuries all season long and to have a vet who's kind of been there, done that. He's got a little bit of the Jay Cutler gene right now. Like, who cares? I just got here off the couch. I'm going to let it rip. And it it brings like a looseness to that moment for Cleveland. And you can tell and you can see it. And I think that one of the underrated storylines of the Joe Flacco-Cleveland Browns uh, marriage is that he played with Elijah Moore last year in New York with the Jets. And that chemistry, I think, is kind of one of these underlying like, little advantages that has helped this thing to work as well as it has. So uh, I'm fascinated by that team. They, they play excellent team defense. They're one of the best defenses in the league. And oh, Flacco gives them, I, I think, a, a little bit of a, a wide openness to their offense that well, just kind of adds that little extra layer that they, they could be a tough out for anybody. And I agree JD. I think they're, they're certainly in the playoffs uh, at this stage based on who they have left to play.
0: Well, coming up next, we're going to talk about Joe Flacco's old, old, like back in the day, old team when we talk about the showdown between the Ravens and the 49ers. That's coming up. That's our game of the week. But before we get there, you might want to pay attention to what Jarvis has to say.
1: Guys, Jarvis Davis here for Prize Picks. This episode of the NFL Kickoff Live Show is brought to you by Prize Picks. It is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Yes. Big deal for big people and for a big platform. Yes, Prize Picks. You need to go there right now. Prizepit.com slash locked on NFL. We are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling against thousands of other players and pros and sharks and bots and ai and whatever else people want to throw in there you could just pick more or less than on the um player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in it's just that easy and just that simple so here's also here's another little cool thing you can do also with the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league. A league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can get LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10 and a half combo of three points made plus receptions. It's really, really cool. You need to check it out right now. So all you got to do, guys, go to prizepick.com/slash locked on NFL. Prizepick.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100 prize because Daily Fantasy Sports made easy.
0: Well, guys, we will have to wait until Monday night for this one. After all the presents have been unwrapped, maybe a little too much eggnog or the brown liquor, but I won't go there. (laughs) Then we'll get the game of the week between the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers. Will this game decide who wins the MVP? Because Both Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy are near the top of the list and in everybody's conversation. Here to break this one down is Locked On Ravens host Kevin Ostriker. He joins Locked On 49ers host Brian Peacock.
3: Looking at that FanDuel line, 49ers at home favored by 5.5. What do you think about that line, and and what's this path to Baltimore victory for you?
4: I think it's about right. Maybe I do three, four, but it's going to be close. I I don't expect to blow out either way. I think when you have these two teams, they've both played really well this season as evidenced by their record and their place in the standing. But in terms of a path to victory, I think for Baltimore, it's starting fast. And the Ravens haven't really played from behind a ton this year. did it against Los Angeles in week 14 and, and did a good job of kind of hanging in there. But it's not like they've been down by 18 points in a game and had to come back from that. So if they can in any game, right? If you get out to a 14 to three lead or 10 to nothing lead, it can really help your chances, especially with the way this Ravens defense is playing. Now the San Francisco offense is going to be the toughest task they faced all season, but Baltimore's defense has shown that they can play with a lead and Baltimore's offense. I think you were expecting from that Greg Roman to Todd Munkin exchange on the offensive coordinator side of things. Oh, the Ravens are just going to throw the ball a ton and they're going to do away with the run game. Well, they've actually implemented a lot of what Greg Roman has done, and they've been, as we talked about, they're the second-best rushing team in the league in terms of yards per attempt. So if they can control the clock, be good in the red zone, the thing with Baltimore's defense is that deep touchdown on Sunday night to Jamal Agu, that Jacksonville had might have been the first deep-shot touchdown they've had all season because what Baltimore does is it's almost like the bend-don't-break mentality where they'll let you take short stuff, they'll let you take intermediate, but they're you're, you are not going to beat them deep and then they tighten up in the red zone. Their philosophy is if we can hold the opponent to either a field goal or no points on every single drive, we trust our offense enough headlined by Lamar Jackson to go score more than that team. So for Baltimore, it's not it's not breaking, not giving up deep stuff, and of course defending the screens and all the things that San Francisco does so well because this is an offense unlike anything they've seen this season, so it's going to be a test all the way around
3: these teams are so similar because uh, Croc and I have talked about it all season long. We're doing our keys to victory. And it's like, you know, it's it play that bully ball, get out in front because uh, these teams are, and it's not a bad thing to be a really good front runner. And both of these teams are really good front runners. You get the lead and then you're a good running team. And then you have your whole playbook at your disposal. Right. And that's what makes Kyle Shanahan's team so tough to defend against. So you don't want to get one dimensional and get down early. I think that one's uh, that one's huge in this game for me. Um, I've got the 49ers. I'm going to go six. I'm going to say they cover it by a half a point. I'm going to go 30-24 in this one. And if it does come down to field goal kicking, though, uh, obviously the, the Baltimore Ravens have the uh, the advantage over most teams there, and uh, that would be interesting to see the rookie come up. The rookie missed a game-winning kick earlier this year against the Cleveland Browns, and the 49ers lost that game as their first loss of the season after Brock Purdy actually led a, a potential game-winning drive, but they missed the kick. To, to go win it, um, we'll see if the young man, if it is one of those close games in prime time, is is up to the challenge there. So that'll be interesting. But um, these teams are so similar, and I can't wait to see how this plays out. And yeah, look, one seed might not exactly be at stake in this game, but MVP might actually be at stake here. So it's a fun one. I can't wait for it, man.
0: Yeah, a lot of eyes are going to be on this particular game because you do have the number one seeds there and you have two teams that have probably played the most consistently uh, throughout this season. So, yeah, very intriguing matchup. And I know that the guys mentioned Uh, that whole MVP race. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. We'll dive into it a little bit later, but ultimately speaking again, you've got a Ravens team that's won uh, four in a row. You have a San Francisco 49ers team that's won six in a row. So you really are battling. You really are going to see a battle of the two best teams, Kyle, and you're going to see a battle of two teams that are eerily similar in how they approach the game.
2: Yeah. I, I think the speed on defense for San Francisco uh, gives them a really good chance to kind of contain some of the explosiveness of the uh, Baltimore offense, be it Lamar Jackson, be it Zay Flowers, be it whoever's back there in the backfield at any given point in time. Obviously, they just endured a, a big-time loss in, in their offensive backfield in this past game with uh, Keaton Mitchell going down with a knee injury, which is a big loss for them. Uh, I think he could have been a guy that that would have really had a nice extra dimension for Baltimore down the stretch, and instead – Oh, this San Francisco defense is is just so tough and their linebackers with Warner as instinctual as he is and Greenlaw with how explosive they are on the second level. It really gives them uh, a unique advantage when they play team defense to have so much speed on the second level. They got pass rushers they can get after it. They got guys they can win in the trenches. I don't think Baltimore is really going to be able to bully them. So uh, as I look at this game, I look at the San Francisco defense, you know, all the eyes on the offensives and the quarterbacks and all the yards and all the points. I think the defenses are going to tell the tale of this. And and I, I really like what San Francisco is going to bring to the table.
1: Yeah, this is, this is so interesting. I, I, I feel like when they talk about how I like how to, I love how the guys talk about how these teams, teams are so similar because Like when you just named off Greenlaw and and Fred Warner, the media came to mind, Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith immediately popped in my head. I was like, oh my God, these dudes, this is is crazy how these teams are built. So just the, I think the defense is going to be, definitely going to be the catalyst for who wins this game. And I I think that this is a a type of game that you kind of, you're going to get really understand what it means to have guys on that second level of the defense out there making plays for you. That commanding the defense and, and being able to respond to what they are seeing out there on the field because the adjustments are going to be made. We understand that. We know what Kyle Shanahan brings to the table. We know what Todd can brings to the table. This dude is calling plays himself, um, talking his way, or calling plays to the point that he's probably going to be in conversation for a head coaching job um, at least. And, and he has his quarterback in those MVP conversations that we're going to talk about a little bit later on. But I just feel like this is the type of game where – that's going to be who we're, talk, who we're talking about after game. I know Lamar and Purdy, I understand that matchup, but I, I love this matchup of, of these defenses and how they're going to respond to these offenses because I think that's going to be the key to who actually win this game.
2: Yeah,
0: you think about the, that chess match that can go back and forth uh, be, between Shanahan and Harbaugh, and I, you love to see it. And so I'm thinking, like, you know, Brian was mentioning how he, his prediction was 30 to 24, right? Predicting a very, very close game. But I'm thinking, you know, Kyle, is this one of those games where one of these teams surges ahead, the other kind of comes back, and then, you know, whoever has the ball last wins? Like, what kind of battle do you kind of see in this game? And maybe give me an X factor, other than because we already know, like you guys said, we already know who the keys are to this game on defense and offense, but give me an X factor for whichever team you think is going to win the game.
2: Yeah. I I think Baltimore's X factor is probably Kyle Hamilton, Uh, just with all the different places that he can line up and play. You know, JD talked about the speed on the second level with Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. And uh, if anybody's going to match linebackers with San Francisco, it can be Baltimore, but that nickel player being Hamilton, who can play high, he can play in the slot. He can play on the second level. He can play on the edge you when you play a team like san francisco and they like to go heavy they'll go 21 personnel they'll go 12 personnel they, you know they'll put tight ends out on the field they'll put a full back out on the field they'll put multiple backs out on the field to stay and have a guy like kyle hamilton who can provide you answers for as many different personnel groupings without having to run a bunch of guys on and off the field to try to match is really really helpful and i, I think if Baltimore is going to take care of business, it, Kyle Hamilton's going to have to not only like play a good game, he's going to have to make some splash plays for Baltimore against San Francisco's offense. And, and to answer your original question, T'Nitra, I think this is a little bit more of a slog. I don't think this is a wide open game. I think this is a close to the vest. I think this is 20-17, to 24-20 type of game. I, I'd be surprised yeah. if somebody hit 30 on, on, on Monday night.
0: I was thinking the same thing. I thought that the 30 to 24 was kind of a little bit like pie in the sky because yeah, I, in my mind and I don't know which way it goes, but that 24-20 just keeps ringing in my in my head that somebody in and then somebody in the end is going to make that play and you know the other team is simply not and it's going to be one of those inside the 2 minutes somebody has an opportunity to win the game but somebody else is going to have the opportunity to keep it close or close it out. So okay, to be fair, Kyle, since we gave one team the opportunity for you to give the X Factor, we'll we'll take the other X Factor from, from the other team as well.
1: Well, I, I I would have to go with uh George Kittle. I, I think Kittle is, is a guy that you have to take a look at and say, okay, this is one of those games where because you know Kittle can be up and down because I know this for a fact because I have him on my fantasy football team and <laughs> I've had to bench him from time, you know. So I'm just like, all right, I'm starting Sam Laporta. That's where I'm going with you know with this whole this whole situation. So I think, but this is the type of game that. When you 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 have so much attention being paid to you know a guy like Debo Samuel and you know what they're trying to do in the run game standpoint, you know you're going to get all these motions and different looks on pre-snap uh, um, from from Kyle Shanahan's offense. I just really feel like this is the type of game where, hey, let me go find this tight end, let me get this guy involved because I know. There is some some game breaking, game breaking opportunities that he's going to have with all the attention being paid to everything, every other aspect of this offense. So I feel like this could be a game that George Kittle can be definitely be a big X factor for 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 the San Francisco 49ers to get this to get this win.
0: Casey, what's that one weakness that nobody maybe talks about, like a sneaky weakness of the 49ers that the Ravens can take advantage of? And I know Man. they don't really have a lot of weaknesses, so that one kind of makes you
2: think. The the health of Trent Williams. I, I think the offensive line is so different when Trent's not on for them. So yes. not that you're going into a game trying to hurt Trent Williams or anything like that, but like if you had to ask me how this game plan could completely go sideways very quickly, it's if Trent Williams were to hypothetically get banged up and to miss time. I feel like you really have to scramble against a Baltimore defense that has Jadavion Clowney playing the best football that he's played in a really long time. They got just a matter of week with 12 sacks this year. Who's playing absolutely lights out. It's been really impressive to see the leap that he's made. So uh, maybe, maybe not something that Baltimore could directly exploit, but something that, you know, the three games that they lost, he went out there for him and it showed in a big way. I think they're a totally different team. If they, if you had to, list a non-skill player and with the best case to be made for MVP, Trent Williams probably that dude because of just how different that offensive line and that offense look without him on the field. Indeed, indeed. And
0: what about the Ravens, Jarvis, kind of what's that sneaky weakness of theirs, or if some player or something goes wrong, where can the 49ers maybe, and I'll use exploit loosely, but where can the 49ers kind of take advantage of that?
1: I mean, uh, this may be a little stereotypical or, or obvious answer. It's the the Ravens wide receiver group, right? Like if they if they're able to get up there and challenge those wide receivers and and be able to play some man coverage and come down, put another man in the box and and try to figure out what you know Todd is gonna how they're gonna attack him with Keith Mitchell being out of the out of the uh out of the equation. I think that that is going to be something that they can really take advantage of. If these wide receivers don't. Get out there and make sure they're beating that man coverage, or, or 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 making sure San Fran isn't is isn't bringing that extra safety down into the box and, and, and giving those eight box eight man boxes. Those I feel like that's the way they can take advantage of them if those wide receivers aren't out there making plays and doing what they're supposed to do.
0: One more question for you guys before you wrap up, Casey. First, you is this, and we know that it could be a Super Bowl preview, but do you feel like this is probably the Super Bowl preview?
2: I'll fade it. I'll take the field. And some of that's just law of averages. If you give me all the other combinations versus this one, statistically speaking, you're probably going to have a better chance of taking, taking the field. But uh, I I think the AFC is so highly competitive. Uh, and I don't see Baltimore winning this game. And then they have Miami the following week where they, they really run the risk of like, if you lose that game, do you end up the three seed? Yeah. And like it, you feel like there's probably four or five teams in the AFC that you feel like have a legitimate case to be made that they're going to be playing their best ball at the right time of year and get hot. I think San Francisco has a really good chance to be the NFC representative, but I just think the AFC is there's a lot of parity with the top teams. KC's not the team that they've been in the past, um, so I'll, I'll take the field as far as you know just the, the various amount of outcomes that you may end up seeing out of the AFC.
0: And I think that's fair because, like you said, I mean, the Dolphins have been playing, for the most part, really solid football, and the Chiefs are still the Super Bowl champions. So at any time, if they ever get it together between now and the postseason, they could definitely be quite dangerous like we always see them. And what would you say, Jarvis, like is this a – I know it's a realistic preview, but is it the preview of the Super Bowl?
1: It could be um, because, like, anytime you have – guys who can potentially be MVP candidates up under the center. I really feel like that's, that's the, that can be a catalyst for you going to, going to the Super Bowl. And I really feel like that's one that this, this is, this is going to be, we got to talk about two good, good head coaches. We're talking about uh, a, a a guy in John Harbaugh who has been there before. He knows he knows what it means, and and this would be a, a Super Bowl rematch. Hopefully, the lights work if they were to face each other in the Super Bowl, so uh, they don't go out during the game. So, I, I think this is something that I think this might be a sneak a, a nice little sneak preview into what what could be out in Las Vegas. So, yeah, I, this is I wouldn't
0: surprise me at all if these guys end up in in, in the big game we shall see it'll be an interesting matchup on monday can't wait for us to have the opportunity to talk about it now when we come back we're gonna have some more deep dives into some of the best games this coming weekend but first jarvis is here to tell you guys about doordash
1: man have you hey jarvis Davis here for doordash this episode of nfl kickoff live show was brought to you by doordash if you've been sitting here watching us or if you've been sitting at home on a, on a good Sunday and you just your stomach just start to rumble and it just rumbling in the jungle. It's like, raw, 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 raw. you know what you need to do? You need to go to DoorDash because you can get up to 50% off a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. All you got to do is just download the app and enter code LOCK23 because they have so many options right there for you. I'm talking about pizza, wings sodas burgers buns whatever you need they have it right there for you you can even you know get some chips some dips some nachos you're trying to get get ready for the super bowl like we were just talking about all you got to do is just go to doordash and they will get that thing right to your house Get some groceries, too, because I know I just ordered some groceries the other night on using DoorDash because I didn't feel like going anywhere. So you can do the same thing. So all you got to do, guys, take advantage of this amazing offer that's 50 percent off up to ten dollar value. When you spend fifteen dollars or more on your first order, when you download the DoorDash app and enter code lock 23, that's code lock 23 subject to change terms apply.
0: we got a little bit of Saturday afternoon football going on this weekend. It's a battle of AFC North backup quarterbacks. The Pittsburgh Steelers are currently two and a half point underdogs in that matchup. And here's Chris Carter from Locked On Steelers to sell you why the Steelers can cover the spread.
5: I'm Chris Carter of the Locked On Steelers podcast. If the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to cover the two and a half point spread against the Cincinnati Bengals, the Bengals being favorites in that matchup, the Steelers have to turn around a lot of trends. That they that they've shown in recent games. The Steelers started off the season seven and four, riding high, looking like they had a chance to maybe win the division. Since then, they have been 0-3, and you've seen some terrible trends go, go against them. After uh in their first 10 games, the Steelers had, had, had given up a total of eight turnovers in those in those 10 games. Since then in the last 4 games, they've given up 6 turnovers. That turn that, that trend has to change. The Steelers have been a team that when they were at their best, they were among the best turnover differential in the NFL. That has since changed and now you're seeing the results in their three-game losing streaks all to opponents who were teams that the Steelers should have beaten if you looked at if you looked at their team. Now they're also a team that's extremely banged up. And they're a team right now that's lacking any of their starting safeties or any of their top backup safeties. They're down to Patrick Peterson and Eric Rowe, a guy they promoted off to the practice off of the practice squad after signing him to come off the couch just a little bit ago. So there's their secondary is going to have a lot of a lot of problems. They're going to have a lot, they're gonna to have to communicate a lot, they're gonna to have to play some basic looks a lot. That means that TJ Watt in that defensive front is gonna to have to. Very disruptive against the Bengals, and on the flip side, the Steelers with Mason Rudolph, they're going to just have to possess the football. They're going to have to run the ball, and that's another trend that they will have to turn around. The last two games, the Steelers have rushed for under, uh, for under 800 yards in each performance. in the In the five games before before that, over 130 yards in every single contest. They have to turn around the turnovers. They have to turn around the run game, and they have to get the defense back to playing at a, at a higher level. All those things can happen if they play the Bengals. But it's a hard time seeing that after the last three performances they have and the injuries that have mounted up for them. The one thing I will say that could that could hit is the over under being set at 38 and a half points. The Bengals defense is also dealing with some injuries with DJ Reeder out on the defensive front. The Steelers dealing with a lot of injuries on their defensive on their defensive side. This could hit that over at 38 and a half points bet on that. But if you're looking to bet on the Steelers, you're betting on them turning around a lot of things late in the season where they've been struggling over the past three weeks. That would be a long stretch, but we've seen crazier things happen in the NFL.
0: I don't think there's anything crazier than that, but okay, Chris. So when you think about where the Steelers are, I think Chris, I literally think Chris outlined 17 things that have to happen for the Steelers to win this game. And I don't disagree with him. The challenge is that probably two of those 17 can actually happen. That's the biggest challenge there. And you look at... Yeah, you've got two backup quarterbacks, but let's be real. Jake Browning, that that's a that's a solid backup quarterback. That's a backup quarterback that, yeah, he kind of started off shaky. And actually, the last game that he started in or played in, and they the Bengals lost, it, it was against the Steelers. But Kyle, like this is a I mean, this is a really, really far stretch because of course, also Jake Browning has won his last
2: three games. First of all, Chris has the audacity to look at America in the eyes and tell them to bet the over on a Pittsburgh Steelers game. I don't right. care if it's in the 30s. Pittsburgh skirt 13, 18, 10, 16, 10. That's the last five games of offense for Pittsburgh. I don't think so. I'm taking the under on 36 or 38, whatever it is. But as far as the game itself goes, they just feel like they're two teams going in opposite directions, right? Like Cincinnati has yeah. found a way to get hot. I think the one wild card for this game is Jamar Chase and his injury, but you saw T Higgins step up and T Higgins yes. makes the play of the game last week against Minnesota, where he catches that ball right on the sideline, makes the decision to kind of extend the ball out to get it over the the plane of the end zone risks fumbling into the end zone, which would have been a turnover, like a really, really, really good play. And I, I think Cincinnati has done a good job as their offense has had to evolve in putting their skill players in position to be successful and make plays. Where I contrast that with Pittsburgh, and regardless of whether you fired Matt Canada or not, it just feels like we're, we're trying to do the same things and just wait for the light bulb to come on. And that for me, it's, it's just not not working, it's not clicking, and then you have effort problems. I don't care if George Piggins was trying to not get his leg broke like Tank Dell was along the goal line when he's blocking. He chose not to block a defensive back on the goal line that prevented his team from scoring a touchdown. And like that stuff happens every week. It's just, there's we're getting close to the end. You could see the light at the end of the tunnel's getting bigger. Okay, week 18's almost here. I see Pittsburgh continuing on their trend and I see Cincinnati continuing on theirs personally.
0: Yeah, I, I would I would say the same. And Jarvis, when you look at just like Kyle said, you look at the Bengals kind of rallying in all different ways. Right. They, they are winning games in all different ways. Pittsburgh's kind of losing games the same way. They're losing games the same way as they did before Matt Canada's departure. You look at what happened just last week and it's like, OK, if Mason Rudolph is supposed to be the answer of Kenny Pickett, you know, in, in the absence of Kenny Pickett, and God forbid it's Mitchell Trubisky, but I mean that alone is kind of scary for in terms of what the Steelers can do—not just this week, but really for the rest of the season.
1: And, and what's even more scary to you? Last week, Mason Rudolph threw his first pass in the NFL since 2021 against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Dude wasn't even in the league last year, so right. yeah, this is. Like I know there would have been fifty eight different starting quarterbacks in, in the season, working on fifty nine more than like if, if uh, Zach Wilson does uh, <clears throat> decides that uh, if Zach Wilson doesn't play, uh, it's just this is just not it's just not a good look. And, and when you have you know Mike Tomlin and the rumors of people talking about he, this, they might part ways or he might not. Might be time for him to move on and all this stuff. It's just and George Pickens talking about he doesn't want to block. I, I've never heard of. Anybody saying something like this out loud. Yeah. Like, I didn't block because, (laughs) and and you weren't hurt or dead. (laughs) I just don't. The the type of things that Mike Thomas has had to deal with in his locker room, it comes from that wide receiver group. I don't know what it is about wide receivers and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, they just love guys. Hey, we'll take a chance on them. You know, come on down. You know, you got talent, come on down. And it's just too many things going on. Like, like you talk about, you know, throughout this throughout this season on, on the show. When so many... Th- the the off-the-field uh, storylines are dominating the on-the-field or, or storylines. It's not a good... It's not a good situation. And I think that, you know, when you think about what the... Uh, adversity of that is the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow gets hurt. Oh my, people expect everything to go downhill. But like you said, Jake Browning just been coming here, just being solid, doing what he's supposed to do. Yeah, he's made some mistakes. But he's been able to... They've been able to rally around him, saying, "Okay, we got you, man. We're gonna make plays for you." So when you have that, the, those type of things going on, and Cincy, like we understand exactly what's about to go down on this game, because you know this is, this is, this is, this is, this is time of the year where things are gonna get real tight, and and we understand, and the teams that are, are are shining right now, they understand they understand the assignment, and they've, and we're gonna continue to see that as we as it as we go along.
0: Yeah. And you you mentioned backup quarterbacks. There's another game there. The Houston Texans, they're hosting the Cleveland Browns this Sunday. That's a game that won't feature Deshaun Watson, of course, maybe not even featuring C.J. Stroud. So it should be interesting that we might have an, yet another game where we're, we're having backup face backup. But our Locked On Texans host is here to sell you why the Texans can cover as two and a half point underdogs.
6: Hey, everybody, I'm John Hickman with Cody Davis of the Locked On Texans podcast. And what are we talking about right now? We got two minutes to tell you how the Houston Texans can beat the Cleveland Browns at home at the NRG Stadium this Sunday. Cody, for me, you know what it is? It's creating pressure up the middle on the defensive side of the ball. The Houston Texans Malik Collins and Sheldon Rankins have combined for 10 sacks and 64 pressures. The guards for the Cleveland Browns, they've allowed 10 sacks on the year, nearly 50 pressures, pressures, and 40 hurries. I think for Houston, they're gonna call upon Malik Collins and Sheldon Rankins, Khalil Davis, and newly signed defensive tackle Tiger Tart, who was signed and claimed from the Cleveland from the Tennessee, Tennessee Titans. They're gonna call upon those four guys to really start the engine and creating pressure, getting after Joe Flacco, who, by the way, With two and a half seconds or less, he will throw an interception with four on the year with two and a half seconds left since becoming the Brown starter. And he's not a mobile quarterback. You'll be able to get after him and get him on the ground. So I think it's going to start up front in the middle and the rest of that prosperity will be Hmm. spread amongst the rest of the defense. Also, Christian Harris, it is his job to stop David Njoku.
0: Hmm. Well, everything that you just said, it all comes down for one word for me, and that's consistency, because everything that you say is the same thing that we said about how they can beat the Atlanta Falcons, how they could beat the Carolina Panthers, and how they can beat the New York Jets. And at the end of the day, the Houston Texans did lose all three of those games. So hopefully they can replicate the same success that they had
6: against the Tennessee Titans on the defensive side of the ball. Thank you guys for checking this out. Be sure to subscribe, like, and comment to the Locked On Texans podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. See you Sunday.
0: Well, guys, this is another interesting one. Just kind of looking at the reports coming out of Houston. uh, CJ Stroud did not practice today. He is still in the concussion protocol, so he's not likely to go on uh, Saturday. So This game is going to be won by some backup. And it's kind of names we're familiar with, right? Case Keenum. Joe Flacco, one of those guys is going to have to turn back the clock, the hands of time for Sunday, and get a win out of this game. Who's it going to be, guys?
1: Wow. I would have to I would have to say it probably would end up being the Browns because I trust their defense a little bit more. Okay. Well, a lot more than, than the Texas defense because, you know, I feel like Joe, if he can not turn the ball over like he did last week I, 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 against the Bears, I really feel like this can be a game where just go out there and just make the play. Um, don't try to force it, um, because when you're going up against a team like the Texans like <clears throat> like John mentioned, hey or, or Cody mentioned these these guys lost to the Falcons, and and you know that what, what they bring to the table, the inconsistency that that team brings to the table. So all those things kind of boil down to a who can make the least amount of mistakes, and I think that that could definitely be the Browns, given what, how they've been playing on, on the defense side of the football overall.
0: Indeed. And Kyle, when you look at this matchup, how do you see it? Do you see it as one where the Texans can cover the two and a half point
2: underdogs? It's it's such a small point? line. It's yeah. such a small that line that, that I think probably not. I agree with JD as far as like Cleveland's outlook for the game. Um, Cause it's not just DJ Stroud, right? Like Nico Collins has missed the last few weeks. I, I know he sounds optimistic, mm-hmm. like he's going to play this week, but Nevertheless, it's it's Tank Dell's down, and Nico Collins has missed time, and now he's coming back, and Case Keenum's throwing the football. So it's it's just a lot in flux. And I think if you're going to have success against that Cleveland defense, you have to be well rounded to do it. And I'm I'm just not sure they have enough in the tank. And, and look, I've I have a really hard time shaking the loss that they took to the Jets uh, two weeks ago too, where. Sure. That was a team that showed a lot of youth and inexperience in that moment, I thought. And now you are in the midst of a divisional race. You have a lot of injuries impacting major elements. You got a team in Cleveland that that I think has a little bit more in the way of experience. That defense has been together longer. Joe Flacco, a quarterback. Obviously, Case Keenum is an experienced player too, but it just feels like that Cleveland ha- has a reason to play looser where Houston, I I worry about that element, too, where they got to about halftime of that Jets game, and they just looked like they wanted to go home. And something like that, you know, they, they got a reprieve because of the way the division has broke for them, but I have a hard time shaking that, and I'll be very impressed if they're able to come out and not only cover the spread, but win the game.
0: Indeed. Now we got two top-tier teams facing off Sunday afternoon. It's the Cowboys and the Dolphins. The Cowboys are one-and-a-half-point underdogs in that game. Here's Marcus Mosher to tell you why the Cowboys can cover that
7: spread. The Dallas Cowboys are one-point underdogs against the Miami Dolphins heading into Week 16. I am Marcus Mosher from Lothan Cowboys to break down how the Cowboys can win this huge NFC-AFC battle The Cowboys last week only scored three points in the first half against the Buffalo Bills. If they're going to want to upset the Dolphins here, they're going to have to get off to a quicker start. This is something that Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott have been really good at doing on that side of the ball for most of the year. They've gone right down, scored touchdowns on their opening drives several times this season, but they haven't had the same type of success on the road. Expect that to change in week 16. I fully expect the Cowboys to be much more aggressive on third and fourth down. They're going to want to get points on the board early in this game to help their run defense out. They just allowed over 250 yards on the ground to the Bills last week. The Dolphins have an excellent rushing attack. Uh, They already have 27 rushing touchdowns from their two running backs. The best way to take them out of the run game is by forcing them to pass the ball and to get into a negative game script. The Cowboys are unbelievable when they know that teams aren't going to run the ball and they can only throw the ball. So expect the Cowboys to do everything in their power to try to get an early lead in this game. I expect them to run blitz early, but look for the offense to be the ones that's the more aggressive unit, especially earlier in this game. If that doesn't pay off, the Cowboys could be in a little bit of trouble in Miami. Should be a fantastic game. Can't wait to see it. Two of the highest scoring offenses in the league on Christmas Eve should be amazing. I am Marcus Moser from On Cowboys.
0: All right, Kyle. We know yep. what happened against Buffalo. And we know that the Cowboys aren't going to stink it up two weeks in a row. But can they reset enough? to take on this AFC East team in the Dolphins and get a win.
2: I I think the thing to watch here is the Tyron Smith injury, which kind of came out of nowhere this week. He has not practiced at all this week. And I know Mike McCarthy went on the radio down there today and said that Zach Martin, who was their all-pro left or right guard, who was injured and left with a deep thigh bruise against the Bills, was closer to playing this week than Tyron Smith was. So you add all that up and now it's, you know, Tyron Smith done practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That's a bad trend and it's a back and Tyron's had some back issues for an extended period of time. So that's what has me really leery for Dallas. You know, Miami has their own offensive line injuries. Uh, Robert Hunt, who's been a pro bowl caliber player when he's been on the field is is confirmed out by Mike McDaniel this week. Uh, Right tackle Austin Jackson is questionable. He left the game last week against the Jets with an oblique injury. Uh, I will say that Kendall Lamb, their their swing tackle, has performed very admirably. He's played an extensive amount, uh, stepping in for Teron Armstead on the left side. He played well against the, the Jets when he had to play on the right side. So these the, these trenches and the injuries, I think, really uh, shape and, and change the perspective of this game. The other one that stands out to me was an injury that the, the Cowboys did not have at their disposal last week as well, which was John Hankins, their nose tackle. So they are missing like four linebackers off the depth chart with injuries right now. They got a safety playing one of their starting linebacker spots. And now you don't have your nose tackle. So you can run blitz, uh but JuJu low is one of the more proficient quarterbacks in the NFL against the blitz just because if you're taking bodies out of coverage to try to pressure, it gives them more space to operate and more space to work. So I'm worried about Dallas's perspective with the injuries that they have to take advantage of where Miami has traditionally been weak, even though Miami has injuries of their own. Uh, I like Miami in this game, but I, when I did the crossover with Marcus yesterday, I picked up the win by one point. So technically Dallas uh, would be covering in that spot. So uh, I guess they can have their cake and eat it too. Dean, so did you
0: cover the, the spread. Wow. Uh,
1: I don't think so because I don't trust this team on the road. They're a below average team on the road. They're undefeated at home. I've, if they were playing it, they played this, playing this one in in Dallas, yeah, I, I feel like they're wholeheartedly covered. But it's, this is a different team when they're going on the road. And I, and I think that you know when you talk about what Tyron Smith brings to the table with his injury and Zach Martin potentially is going to play, um, but and I think that you know that says something about this whole running game. I know, understand what Dak Prescott has been able to do, but. Like I, like, I will continue to pound this home. <laughs> no pun, pun intended. Like, you have to be able to run the football. You got to have some balance when you all on the road because – trying to sling it all around the yard because that's what when you when you're doing those type of things that that involves communication between your guys on the outside right and, and if you can't get that check or if you that see something and you can't communicate that because it's so loud and because it's so much so much going on when you're uh, traveling on the road like those there one little thing can can mess that up but you know what can't mess up mess up that uh that is turn around and hand that bad boy off. Hey, you going left or right? a zone or gap. Which one are we doing? So, and, and it's just so much easier to, to be able to uh, orchestrate an offense to be able to, um, and put drives together to put points on the board when you have a two way go on offense. And I think that they just, they, for some reason, they just haven't been able to do that on the road this year. So, yeah, I, I really feel like, um, they won't be able to cover the spread.
0: Now, when we come back, it's back to our MVP conversation, but that also means for now it's time to talk prize picks.
1: Jarvis Davis here for Prize Picks. This episode of the NFL Kickoff Live Show is brought to you by Prize Picks, it is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in north america yeah we're kind of a big deal over here it is the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports instead of going up against the sharks and pros and guys like Kyle Krabs who know everything about nfl football you have to all you're doing is just picking against the spread more or less um on the stat projections and watch the winnings roll in i'm telling you there's another little cool feature that we have over here is the basketball season we know it's pumping, guys. We're about a fourth of the way through the season already. Wow, time flies. You can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can get LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10-and-a-half combo of three points made plus reception. So, guys, I'm telling you, all you got to do is go to uh, – a. Prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. And use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks is daily fantasy sports made easy.
0: You know, guys, from week to week, the MVP race changes, who's at the top, who's got kind of in second place, but for the last week or two it has been Brock Purdy and Lamar Jackson, the one-two punch, depending on which side you fall on, but then you look down the list and you have Christian McCaffrey, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen is back in that conversation, Two is still in that conversation, Tua Tunga-Vailoa, as well as Patrick Mahomes, and kind of on the outside chance, especially with what's going on with the Eagles of late, is still Jalen Hurts, Trevor Lawrence, and Tyree Kill, but I want to First, go to this, guys, because I know we could talk ad nauseum about Brock Purdy and Lamar Jackson, and we will talk about them to wrap up. But when you look at that or you think about the list I just shared or even others that you kind of heard are in that conversation who are non-quarterbacks, who is the most deserving non-quarterback for MVP this year?
1: Would you well, say, Jarvis? I would probably have to go with Christian McCaffrey. It's just the way he's been able to stabilize that offense. Um, I understand... You know Trent Williams is a guy, but will I can make a case for him being the MVP. But you know, offensive lineman will never win that award because it's just how it works right now. But I think that a guy who benefited from that, from him being that lineup, and you can really understand how dangerous this offense could be is when Christian McCaffrey got that bad boy rolling because they can give it, turn around and hand it off to him, or they can put him in motion, line him up in a slide, and throw it to him. Like however you get him in football you can do that with him. And I think that he's just been a very strong candidate to be able to be that guy who should at least have some consideration.
0: And I think he will definitely have the consideration, but it is a hard mountain and a long mountain to climb because no running backs won that MVP award since 2012. Of course that was Adrian Peterson. Peterson yep. And mm-hmm. before that you look at Ladanian Tomlinson in 06 and then Sean Alexander in 05. So it's going to be a tall task for him to get that. But Kyle, besides maybe Christian McCaffrey, what other non-QB can you see having a a very viable and can make a very viable case for MVP?
2: Well, I think the absence of Tyreek Hill last week is a double-edged sword uh, because the Dolphins scored 30 points on the Jets without Tyreek Hill. So on one hand, uh, in spite of the narrative that Tyreek Hill makes to a tongue of Aloha and all that, uh, they go out, they have that kind of offensive performance against the Jets without Tyreek, Maybe that hurts his argument a little bit, but if he does end up getting 2000 yards and he's, it sounds like he's going to be a go against the Cowboys. Now he's doing it in 16 games. So he doesn't even have the argument against him that he did it in 17 games with the extra game. So that'll be really interesting for me is, is if he does make this push for 2000 and he sets an NFL record and it's an all timer and he did it without the extra game, I think that's the argument. He needs about 153 yards per game on average. So it's a healthy amount, but Tyreek's putting up numbers big time in some big time moments too. So I wouldn't say it's impossible. I would agree with JD though, just because 44% of San Francisco's touches from scrimmage are run through Christian McCaffrey. Almost 50% of their touches from their skill players goes through one guy and he's been as outstanding as he is. So I would agree with JD. It's It's probably McCaffrey. But I think the unique circumstances of Tyreek Hill and the injury kind of give him a compelling argument to be another name in that conversation for non-quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, and he would be making absolute history because no wide receiver has ever won the NFL MVP. So it would be interesting. He'd have a great argument. He'd have a great case. But I think with Brock Purdy doing what he's been able to do, that could be a very challenging case to make it with Lamar Jackson. You know, so interesting a year ago, we know where that what situation was between Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Now this team is sitting at the top of the AFC Jarvis, and he is poised for another MVP. Amazing.
1: Yeah, and and I think that if he has another game like he did last week, almost rushing for 100 yards and, and making, like just wowing us like we're used to seeing him, um, like we used to see him while was like on, on, on every Sunday, it is, it's going to be very interesting to watch because I really feel like I know Brock Purdy has a really good case to be the MVP, but when you have a guy in Lamar Jackson, who's, who's been in these conversations before and been that guy before, it it, it just makes it easier for people to say, Hey, you know what this reminds me of, of that year, or, or this reminds me of, uh, of an mvp ca- caliber player that's already a name in this league and we know that people are going to follow the names and i think lamar jackson if he continues to play like he did last week i, f- I really feel like this is going to be uh this is his uh, trophy win
0: KC, close this out so does the nfl run it back to 2019 and lamar jackson takes on the award or does mr irrelevant a guy who nobody could have seen doing this not even those of us who have seen what Tom Brady was able to do could have stated that they thought this was what Brock Purdy was able to do.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think Baltimore's going to have to finish strong. You know, they, they we've talked about their strength of schedule to close. And I think if the, if they drop games uh, if they drop two, two of the last three games, I think there's a very realistic chance that that hurts case in point. Look at what Dak Prescott's MVP odds did after the loss against Buffalo. And granted he looked horrible in the game, right? Like Buffalo had him, you know, did, didn't know is, you know what, from a hole in the ground for the majority of that football game until the last, the last drive of the game, just to get down there and get it, get in the end zone. But uh, that, that would be my concern for Baltimore is if they fade down the stretch as they got a couple of game, tough games to close. I think that would really hurt his case. And I, I think that starts, I don't think they went on Monday night against, against San Francisco. So I think your only worry is does Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey split votes amongst voters as far as the perception of San Francisco, in which case mm-hmm. you may see a team say the say the Bills run the table and they win the the East and Josh Allen is is Superman back there and I know he threw 15 passes against Dallas but oh they're. they're they don't have a particularly good supporting cast around them right now. I think that's the one where like the raw statistical production may end up lining up if they do run the table and they make this miraculous comeback from being six and six. Um, That's the interesting dark horse. Uh, But I would say if San Francisco runs the table, and I expect that they will, that I do probably think Purdy would end up getting the vote.
0: We'll see what happens Monday night. Ravens Niners. Thank you guys for stopping by a Merry Christmas. And we will see you on the other side.